0: Okay, this week we're heading to Chicago for Dr. Grant Garacuse, who is an orthopedic surgeon, uh, shoulder elbow specialist now at Rush. He's an associate professor, team physician for the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago White Sox. What a terrific story on his educational background. Uh, One of the things I found fascinating, uh, he's a Navy boy, spent a lot of time uh, moving around, went to San Diego uh, as well with his dad, went to Harvard Medical School and the MIT Health Science Technology uh, degree, which is really interesting. So he's at MIT and Harvard Medical School getting a degree. Must be a smart dude, right? for sure. Goes down to Duke, then does his uh, fellowship. He goes to Siberia for an Elizabeth fellowship, goes to Lyon and Nice to do some shoulder work with the great shoulder docs, and then does a Rothman fellowship, goes to Duke, sets up an amazing program, and now is it rushed. Really a great pedigree. He's doing amazing work, doing education, now uh, taking care of the professional teams in Chicago, uh, as well as cranking out the research. So what a pleasure to have him on. It's another great episode. Hashtag follow the fro. So this week's episode of The Ortho Show is sponsored by Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers. We really got some amazing news that just came out of the CDC. The official revised guidelines for opioid prescribing have now been made official by the Centers for Disease Control. They talked about alternative options for opioids for patients that have acute, subacute, and chronic pain. And that's right, listeners. The Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers uses laser, which is now on the recommended list by the CDC for acute, subacute, and chronic pain. This really validates what we've seen at the clinical side with our orthopedic laser centers. That's why our national growth is on a, a tremendous expansion at this point. So there you go, ortho laser, orthopedic laser centers with CDC validated alternative options for pain management with laser.
1: From medical media, this is the author show.
0: Hello. Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid sparing orthopedic surgeon, here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where everyone knows we bring you the best of the best in orthopedics. Today is no exception. We are going to Chicago. We have Dr. Grant uh, Garrigues, who is with us. We're going to call him Dr. G, because that name is pretty tough for most, who's an orthopedic surgeon. He's a shoulder and elbow specialist at Rush. He's an assistant professor there, also one of the team physicians for the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago White Sox. And he is a star in shoulder and elbow. Grant, What a pleasure to have you on.
1: Hey, it's Scott. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to be on the show and uh, looking forward to talking with you today.
0: Yeah, me too. I think you've got a very rich story here. You're one of our classic underachievers in orthopedics, and we'll, we're will we going to blow through all the great, amazing things that you've done. But tell us, you know, I always like to start from the beginning, because I think it's great for our listeners to hear the story of, you know, where you were born, what your family is about, and who was a doctor, who wasn't a doctor, why are we in orthopedics? So, so give it to us from the beginning.
1: Yeah, I guess, okay, going way back, um, My mom and dad are both from central Kansas and, uh, you know, grew up there, hardworking uh, Kansas types. And my dad um, uh, went to the Naval Academy, Vietnam era, and went over to Vietnam and was on a ship over there. And then when he came back, actually applied for med school. Now they, in the military, they identify the medical corps early, but back then you could literally be on a ship, like typing up your med school application. So he joined the Navy and uh, we kind of moved around a lot as a kid. He was a doctor in the Navy, did plastic surgery, did burns, flaps, micro, hand surgery, everything you would imagine a plastic surgeon in the Navy would do. We were in San Diego and then in in Portsmouth, Virginia, and back in San Diego, back and forth. And um, I I spent most of my my years growing up in in San Diego and did a lot of kind of very much San Diego things. I played water polo and surfed and very different than my parents' upbringing in Kansas, but I was very interested in science, I guess, uh, early on my, um, and when I went to school, uh, in San Diego, there's an area kind of really good surfing, um, Scripps pier is a famous sort of beaches North of LA and and Black's beach. And basically there's a lot of uh, scientists there, UCSD, scientists, Salk Institute, Scripps Research Institute, scientists that would go down there, they would surf in the morning, they put their boards in their car, they go up and they do this PhD grade science stuff. And I thought, I want to be like one of those people, you know, when I grow up. And I just, uh, I went to school thinking I was going to do kind of biochemistry. And and then, you know, I, we can go into it later, but then my path changed towards medicine. But that's kind of the the pre-college years and that's what get, got me kind of interested in 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 science and uh in those type of fields.
0: Love it. You know, Navy runs strong in our family. We've had a number of episodes. My uh, my first cousin is a US Naval Academy graduate. I wonder if dad was hanging out with Russ Warren at the time. You know, we just had Russ on 2 weeks ago and Russ was a Navy doc on a ship at, at, in Vietnam and so Gotta got dive dive deep on that and see if there's a connection there. You gotta get back to us on that for sure. But uh, and you know, one of my my oldest lives in Carlsbad, and for him it's all tacos and surfing, and uh he loves it out there. So there's nothing better than uh, than San Diego, one of the best spots on the planet to grow up for sure. Uh so that's awesome. So then, so then obviously, so all of a sudden you're gonna go East Coast, man. You're gonna to go to Harvard. You studied hard, you did really well in school, you got into the big one, you go out to Harvard and Boston. What that must have been a little bit of a culture shock for
1: you. Yeah, it was funny. I thought, I thought, well, you know, I really love California and obviously I'll live here my whole life, but you know, maybe I should go somewhere else for, for college because clearly I'll live here the rest of my life, which is ironic because I never moved back to California and now I live in Chicago. But yeah, so so Harvard was great. I met my my wife there and and a lot of great friends and um actually kind of got into like biomedical engineering and biochemistry there really. Um, was great and I was um, working um, in like a lab making little electrodes to record from rat cortex as they ran around these little mazes it was really really cool stuff and um, I was home I think talking to some my dad and a neighbor who was a uh, a neurosurgeon and I was like hey you know what are you doing in school I'm I'm, oh I'm making these little electrodes I'm interested in kind of neuroscience and 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 engineering he said you know I'm a we do that in people. It's called a thalamic stimulator, deep brain stimulators. And I was thinking, no way. So he invited me in the operating room with him. And I think it's my first time in the operating room. And basically the stuff I was doing in rats, they were doing in people. And this this neurosurgeon was curing the tremors and movement disorders. And that got me really excited that, you know, Hey, it's, it's neat that it can be done in, in an animal model. But to me, I felt really passionate about seeing, you know, the immediate change in a human being. So so kind of switched towards the medical route. And then as I went into uh, t- to med school, uh, got, got more passionate about the orthopedic side of the equation uh, versus the, the neuroscience. And, and that's kind of how that all started.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting because it's you're you're really geeking out there on the rat stuff with the with the uh, electrodes and all that kind of stuff. So that's not a typical path to orthopedics, right? The usual pathway we hear about. Oh, I broke, you know I tore my ACL and went to an orthopedist and I got into orthopedics. But I want to talk about your med school experience because you know we did our research here. And I found this really fascinating. My father, you know, is a chemical engineer from MIT, and you did a combined program with Harvard Medical School as well as MIT through the health science technology. You earned your MD degree from Harvard, but yet you were doing some really, you know, cool research at MIT simultaneously. Again, first time on the ortho show that we've had that experience. So I got to hear all about that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I feel very blessed to be in that program. There's other orthopedic surgeons that have that have passed through that, but it's been uh Basically, um, they they have kind of a program within Harvard Med School that's a combined program, as you said, with MIT. It has certain sort of science prerequisites beyond the pre-med, like you have to take in differential equations and have, it's basically like like med school for engineers. And so, you know, um, when you're talking about cardiovascular physiology, it's like Reynolds numbers and laminar flow and that kind of thing we're talking about. You know bones. It's a lot of biomechanics and things. So it's very. I. I that was very. Um, really spoke to me a lot. I really got a lot out of that. And then while I was there, I got to do some research in um, uh, gene microarrays. So little, little RNA. Uh, you know, genome on a chip things, which were brand new at the time. I was working with the group at um, at Mass General Hospital and looking at um, kind of wear debris in the hip that's what, uh, they were excited about then. And, and that was a great experience. So I really, that kind of got me down the orthopedic path. And, uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the, um, you know, a lot of, there was a big shift then to like the case-based learning. Let's only teach you the stuff you need to know. You'll learn everything later. I, I loved it. I love med school. I love that we had hardcore lectures for how many hours a day and, and I just couldn't get enough of it. So, so, um, so I really value that time, and I feel like it's, it's you know, stood me in good stead in my career.
0: No, totally a, a very unique experience for sure. I mean, there's clearly a lot of overlap in biomedical engineering and what we do in orthopedics, right? I mean, you know, vectors and forces and all the stuff that we do and, and the angles, etc. So I think that must have uh, really provided you an amazing education uh, moving forward. So you but now you got the bug for orthopedics, you know, and, you know, and, and Harvard was a, a real interesting place at the time, uh, during, you know, during med school. So who was there? I mean, who were, who were your orthopedic mentors in med school that were helping you to make decisions?
1: Yeah. So, um, so, uh, Harry Rubash was the chairman at Mass General Hospital, and he ran the the lab that I was in, um, which the PI was Arun Schoenbog. And it was, a uh, it was a, it was a great lab and i really um i felt like i got to know a lot of chief residents really well there and it was a really good community i mean that yeah, that's a great program you know i loved it uh my now wife at that <laughs> um, that i met in college we were now married at that time she was very much wanting to get out of the cold environs of uh of boston again ironically we live in chicago now but it's a lot different when you're a student and you're walking everywhere and i mean living <laughs> In a living in a snowy cold area when you like don't have a car is is a is a rough experience, let me tell you. So yeah,
0: man, you, you did eight years, dude. I mean that you just you suffered through eight uh New England uh snowstorms, etc. I mean, we're getting some global warming these days, so it's not not as bad. We've only had a couple of inches of snow so far this year, but no, eight years in New England when you've been in sunny uh San Diego and your wife is thinking, let's go someplace else, so you decide. All right, let's head down to uh, let's head down to North Carolina. Let's go to Duke and let's do an orthopedic residency down there, which, again, has an amazing residency program for sure. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So you asked about the, the mentorship at, at Harvard. And honestly, part of it is, you know, I took a rotation in orthopedics, obviously a sub I. And, and one of the people I interacted with was uh, Tom Holovax, who is a practicing physician um, still at Mass General. And he was doing things that I had never seen. I mean, he was doing these Rockwood clavicle pins. He, was doing, he did, was doing reverse total shoulder arthroplasty. So this is, the, this is like the early 2000s. It was not maybe limited user release, maybe not even FDA approved in the U.S. I mean, this was totally mind-blowing stuff to me. And I said, you know, sir, where did, where did you learn this? This is incredible. I've never seen like this. And, and he didn't have like a resident or fellow with him. So it was just him and I doing the cases which as a, as a med student doing a reverse arthroplasty, you know, in, in whatever it was, you know, two thousand, you know, four was with a, just an attending, was an, just an ins- insanely powerful experience for me. And he had trained at Duke. And so I thought, I, I want to be like this guy when I grow up. And I went, um, I did a sub I at Duke and I really fell in love with it. And, uh, yeah, I hope Tom's listening to this because, uh, it really impacted my career a lot. So so Duke was great, uh, in- incredible program, uh, loved it there. It was interesting. There was uh, some great shoulder surgeons there, uh, Larry Higgins and uh, Carl Basmania and some sports doctors did a lot of shoulder like Allison Toth, but Higgins and Basmania left early in my in my training and I didn't get to work as much with Dr. Toth as I would have liked. So I, d- I actually didn't get a lot of shoulder in my residency. Um, which was frustrating, but turned out to be a great experience for me because it uh, meant that there was an opportunity for me to come back there, you know, after my training. So it was it was a great time in residency and I really uh, I really enjoyed it. I also worked with with Tally Lassiter and the group at the VA. Anyway, it was great residency was great too.
0: Yeah. So we're going to have Tom on. Tom obviously is still one of the great professors at Mass General. We refer patients down to him routinely for tertiary care opinion. So it'll be great to have Tom on for sure. And then, you know, I love it. You know, Larry Higgins is down at Duke. And at that time he runs back up to go to Boston where he takes go- takes over at the Brigham, you know? So it's like this, the, the revolving chairs of shoulder, which is really fascinating. We're going to talk about that for you too. Um, and we always talk about it on the show, you know, when you do a fellowship, is it, is, is it to to help out with something that's missing in your residency? Do you want to do, you know, an amazing fellowship that gets you a top job? And I think you probably get both of those when you go to Rothman um, and, and spend an amazing year down there with, you know, obviously one of the top shoulder elbow programs in the country.
1: Yeah, the, the, the Rothman fellowship was incredible. Um, it's, it's funny. I. I didn't know much about it because, like I said, a lot of the shoulder and the shoulder and elbow doctors there there weren't any shoulder and elbow trained doctors at Duke at the time, so I didn't really know who to ask, and I didn't really know where the good fellowships were. And I I I met um, through sort of a a friend of a friend, um, Samir Nagda, who um, did his fellowship at Penn, and he's a practicing shoulder and elbow surgeon in the DC area. And so I, I was asking anybody I could for advice, and he's like, you know, you really should look at at and i was like i don't know philadelphia do i want to live there and he said you got to apply there so i i went and i remember getting off the plane going straight to the kind of reception they had before and within 10 minutes of talking to uh the fellow then was mike o'brien who's now buddy Savoy's partner at tulane thinking this is the most incredible place i gotta be here this is amazing and it, it definitely didn't disappoint it was an incredible year i still Uh, The the city was incredible. I loved living in Philadelphia. The program was just top-notch. I'm so grateful for the training that I received there. So that was a a great, you know, kind of serendipitous thing that I was able to to match there.
0: Yeah, so give us – so we love the shout-outs on the ortho show, man. Joe Abood, who else was there? Who else were you alerted for at the time?
1: So, so yeah, so Jerry Williams, Mark Lazarus um, taught me so much. Matt Ramsey, obviously shoulder and elbow and just an elbow – incredible both, but an elbow wizard. Um, that time Barbara Freeman was there. And then a John Fenland who's since passed away was a shoulder doctor who had trained with De Palma back, like in the, you know, who was with, you know, in the kind of post-World War II area and was still practicing. So that was a cool experience to train with a surgeon who did no arthroscopy, um, to have that experience as well. Every instability was an open bank open capsular shift. Every cuff was an open cuff. I mean, that was to have that plus the latest in arthroscopy was just incredible experience. Um, but it was, it was great. Joe Abood was not there yet. Uh, Serena Namdari uh, is a little younger than me. He wasn't there yet. So that program, you know, it's uh embarrassment of riches, right? They, they have <laughs> such, such a great group, but, uh, but I've gotten to know all those through, through the alumni network and, um, but it was great. I really, you know, I, I'm so grateful for those doctors.
0: That's interesting. I didn't realize that Joe hadn't come on board. I figured that you and Serena were probably contemporaries, maybe a year or two apart, which it sounds like you were. But I love the experience, you know with the open surgery, you know, I trained at Curlin Job, and Dr. Job was there and we were, you know, of course I'm a little older than you are, but, you know, even 10 years later, it's a lost art for a lot of our, our residents and fellows at this point, they don't experience the classic open surgical intervention. And honestly, there there are times you need that as a shoulder surgeon to have the ability to bail yourself out and be able to see things in a different way. So I think that was a great, you know, contribution to your education for sure.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And especially from, you know, kind of a master where at any point in the operation, you could say freeze, you know, and take a picture. It would have been like the perfect textbook picture. Everything was, I mean, he, again, he was in his seventies, he'd been doing it forever. Um, but I think, you know, that's one nice thing about shoulder and elbow is I think your open experience makes you a better arthroscopist and your arthroscopy experience makes you a better open surgeon. So when you're, so to have both of those in the fellowship was, was really, really useful.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's what's unique about being a shoulder specialist, right? You do all the arthroscopic stuff, but now the the advances in shoulder replacement are phenomenal. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Every day, it feels like there's a new shoulder advancement that's coming out. We got Mako coming out now, pretty soon. You know, with a robot that's going to be amazing for navigation. So it, there's a lot to learn, a lot to know in both the arthroscopic space and the open space within shoulders. So I love that. So now, you know, you do it. You did a couple of other really cool things too, which I, you know, I'm diving into your into your you know your CV here and. Dude, you went to Siberia. I mean, what the hell's going on in Siberia for you for I did. On? I
1: think you can probably see my uh where is it over here? Yeah, there it is okay. up top. You're Lizarov. I can see yeah. your frame
0: right up over there. That's, That's right. It's it. some
1: frames. So yeah, so um, so there was an opportunity in residency to to go to the Kurgan Institute, um or uh, the Ilzar Institute in Kurgan, Siberia, and and train, you know, where the where the master invented the uh, procedure. It's incredible place. It's the world's largest orthopedic hospital. It's an 800 bed hospital, all orthopedics. Just think about that. Like an 800 bed hospital is a humongous hospital. Every patient's orthopedic. So, and the reason is, you know, they keep them there for their you know duration of their treatment. They're constantly adjusting these frames and everything. So it was a great experience. I, You know, when I went there, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I did some trauma, I did some of this. And then by the time I went there, it was kind of clear that I was gravitating towards shoulder and elbow. So I actually watched them do a lot of shoulder and elbow things with frames. It's kind of, it really is not the most helpful thing for upper extremity because you don't need the weight bearing. You don't, the length issues are not a problem. Like all the things that the frame is advantageous for are less important for the upper limb. But I'll tell you, they were masters. I mean, I saw them fix a four part proximal humerus fracture with a frame in, you know, 40 minutes, it was like incredible. And, and you know, intra distal humerus fractures, I mean, stuff that we would never, ever, ever consider doing that. They are actually very, very good with that tool. So it really expanded my mind. It was a great experience. I think the biggest thing for me was seeing a different like healthcare system, how the healthcare delivery there is different. Um, and Scott, if I can go to that for a minute, I don't know if we have time, but basically, you know. They, they, if let's say you break your tibia in Russia, they, and this is obviously, you know, years ago, but I I think it's the same now they would say, okay, we have a national healthcare. So as a citizen, your healthcare is covered, um, for this tibia, the government will pay for an external frame, a ring fixator. And it has, you know, a 94% union rate and it has, uh, you know, maybe a 10% infection rate, but most of it's treated with pen tracts, you know, pen removal and a little antibiotics, but you got to wear this frame, but it's free. And most people opt for that. And they say, if you don't want that, if you want a nail, that's what they do in Europe and the West. Um, it's a higher union rate. It's not, you know 99% instead of 94%, lower infection rate. Um, but you have to buy the nail. And they literally will say, here are the business cards for all the implant vendors. Here's the size, length, diameter of nail you need. You negotiate your own yeah. Your own <laughs> price with the different vendors, and then deliver the nail to the surgeon they'll put in. It's it's a totally different way of uh, doing it, which was just mind blowing to me. So that was just an interesting kind of cultural experience too, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean our listeners are familiar with Elizarov, believe it or not, because we've had George Paley on. George is you know obviously one of the earliest U.S. you know surgeons to adopt Elizarov technique, and uh, I worked with him for some time as well. Really fascinating, you know, science and process behind that. And now you can literally like lengthen and do stuff on your smartphone. Now it's amazing how that's really come along with the new new advances they have there. But you're not done, dude. You're still traveling. You're wandering about the world, and you're like, okay, now I want to learn some shoulder from the French surgeons, which you know, you know, France is well known as having some of the greatest shoulder surgeons around. So you go and you do a, a mini fellowship in Lyon and Nice. I'm sure I'm assuming it was Pascal Bouillot. But tell us about what that must have been like.
1: Yeah. So that was, um, before my residency, I'm sorry, before my fellowship, but after my residency, I thought I really, I have never, I'm going to go to a shoulder fellowship at Rothman Institute. I have never seen an anatomic or reverse total shoulder ever. I'd never seen a total shoulder in my life before fellowship. And I thought, I kind of freaked out. I thought I need, I'm going to, I'm going to make a fool of myself. (laughs) So I started writing letters to Gilles Valsh, to Pascal Boulot and said, Hey, you, you don't know me. I'm an North Peak surgeon. I'm graduating. You know, if, if I came there and, and visited you, you know, is that possible to, to arrange something like that? And they were, they were, they were very gracious enough. And, and after kind of like not saying, taking no for an answer, <laughs> I, um, they said yes, and it was great. I went to Lyon and, and worked with the, the team there with Lionel Naton and Nové Seron and Jerome Garay and all these people that I had sort of read all their papers. And then I went to see Pascal Boulot in Nice. On the plane ride there, I printed out uh, every an abstract of every paper they'd ever written. I went to PubMed, put in their author thing and just printed out every abstract. So I read, read everything they'd ever written that was in PubMed, the abstract of it, which was Honestly an incredible experience cuz I could totally see where their head was at and when we were in clinics seeing patients just really kind of follow their train of thought it was great so then um I didn't get a lot of a break between residency and fellowship but when I when I uh I started I felt like I I was ready so it no, was a great
0: experience That's fantastic you know I think that's great to to sort of look and see that there's per, you know there, there's a void something that you need to sort of help your education but then to have the courage to to, to go and even ask and then get on a plane and go and then have them be gracious enough to, to bring you. I mean, I spent some uh, just a short amount of time with Loren LaFosse learning arthroscopic letter J. So familiar with the process for sure. But so, you know, now, all right, so you've got it all, man, you're done. You've done your residency. You've done your you've been to Siberia, God forbid. you got a fellowship in France. You went to Philadelphia and Rothman. You had a couple of cheesesteaks. And now it's like, let's go back to Duke. And let's set up a shoulder program. I mean, that had to have been a really amazing opportunity for you at that moment.
1: It was. I mean, to to kind of work alongside your mentors and, and come back as a faculty was really great. It was, um, it, there was, it was also, you know, it's humbling because when you, so my first clinic of patients um, had, you know, 18 people, you know, you're just, you're just like literally my first day in clinic after fellowship. And I had four of them had a draining sinus tract, which (laughs) (laughs) Welcome uh, to Durham,
0: baby. Hey, what do you got? (laughs) And, you know,
1: and honestly, my, the surgical yield was incredible because all these patients needed surgery. Now the cases were incredibly hard. I mean, just really difficult, really hard cases, but I learned so much so quickly. Um, It was definitely like, you know, you know, you think you got everything in fellowship, but then you, you know, you're sort of building the program there for shoulder arthroplasty and you're, you know, you're seeing cases that are, that are, you know, just as challenging as you saw in fellowship, you know, right out of the gates. But, um, but I, I think that really helped make me into, into the surgeon I am today. And, and I, it was great just to, you got to kind of look around and realize, I think I'm the guy, I think I'm the one, you know, this, I'm not sure if I'm up for this, but I think I'm the best one equipped for this and I'm going to, you know take it stepwise and, and rely on my training and, and do, you know, do right by this patient and treat them like you'd want to be treated. And it, it really, you know, I, I feel like I learned the learning continues after fellowship and just Scott, if I can circle back to something you said earlier for the listeners, if you have ever a skill you want to learn or someone you want to visit, just go reach out. I mean, if you're, if you're a trained orthopedic surgeon, and, you, and you're willing to kind of go on your own dime and take time away from your family, like no one's going to say no to that. They're excited to have you there. So I would definitely not be shy about reaching out to physicians that have skills or techniques that you want to learn more about. And I
0: think that's a great point because let's, let's face it. First of all, it took a lot of courage to go and start a new shoulder program when you got nobody left and right. You know, there's no gray hairs around you. You're literally the guy. Uh, but, you know, you develop relationships through your time in France, your time in Rothman. Uh, and so I am sure that those mentors and, and professors that you worked with were constantly available for you for consultations and helping you in your decision making, especially in your early years. Although, you know, we're always learning. There's still days you, something walks in you've never seen
1: before, for sure. I just saw something uh, today that I would never seen in my career. Uh, actually, just a, a few hours ago. So you're absolutely right. And then you know there were certainly I had great colleagues at Duke that had a lot of experience. They just didn't have experience in my particular you know in shoulder uh, you know arthroplasty reconstruction. But yeah, you 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 rely you get all the all the help you can get right and sure. uh, and, you, and do the best you can. And it it really um it's good. And it also helped me because again it was hard, but it also know all the cases that came in that needed that went to me so my volume went through the roof very quickly and and my case complexity went up very quickly which really which really kind of helped my learning curve
0: yeah no i'm sure i mean i can't even imagine the volume of cases in that busy program uh but i mean you, you learn by fire and you get in there and next thing you know you're developing a sports fellowship and a shoulder fellowship and you're training residents uh, and then, you know, for the sake of time, because we've got so much I could still talk about, I know that you were really worried about Oki and Akwansi and the fact that he was out in California. So you, th- you said to yourself, I'm going to go, you know, I've been here now I've established this program. I'll do really well. I'm going to go in a rush and I'm going to let Oki come down and take over at Duke.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, I can't take any credit for that. Okay. Did that all on his own. I, um, so yeah, I left, I wanted, um, I wanted to hire a, partner there and it sort of wasn't in the cards um and, and if, if we had i would it would have been great to team up with with him because i think he's a great guy and we're good friends i think as far as going to to rush you know basically um there was an opportunity here uh when when tony romeo left to 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 take over that practice and work with some of the pro sports teams and do a lot of that and we did something a little crazy. My wife and I both changed our jobs at the same time. Um, she had a job opportunity uh, that was easier to do here too. So again, we didn't know anyone here. We had no family here, but the opportunity for both of us was great. And and it really worked out well. And then, and then, as you said, like the the, the Duke shoulder group with Chris Clipto and okay, and Tally Lasseter, I mean, they're, they're, they're awesome. So they, they don't need me, but I, I stay in close contact with that group. We've still continued some research together and um, see him at national meetings too. So it, I think it worked out great for everybody. And uh, and it's been awesome here at Rush and Midwest Peaks at Rush.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Rush is what an amazing program. I mean, you've got just, you know, Jorge Chala, Brian Cole. I mean, you know, the names go on and on. We could go all day long there, but, you know, love the fellowship that's there. I mean, just incredible fellows that are present. The residents are amazing too. Now you're taking care of pro sports teams. And I'm sure you landed in and you were busy from day one. I mean, as far as that's concerned, which is a, which is not always the case as you transition from one job to another.
1: Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I was busy also though, you know, you got to realize the referral sources, you know, they haven't read your papers. They haven't been to the meetings, right. They're, they're not in your field or they wouldn't be referring patients to you. Right. So you, you still gotta, you know, get out there and, and introduce yourself and um you know, even after years at Duke, it was like, oh, are you the new fellow? You don't know. I'm-
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have a young you face there. You just, can see
1: that. It's a compliment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you just you just treat everybody, um, you know, with with respect and like, and then they tell their friends and, and you, you know, you're going to win when the patient comes back for their other side or they bring in their wife to see you or somebody comes in. Hey, my golfing buddy, you did a shoulder. He loved it. That, that's when you know that things are catching fire and, and you're on a glide path. So that's, You know, that's a really good feeling when you're starting out your practice.
0: No, it's terrific. And I mean, there's so many opportunities at Rush. The private-edemic model there is awesome. You can be involved in industry and really make, you know, a difference in the education side of things as well. So I think it's a great move for you. And, you know, Chicago is one of our great cities for sure. And taking care of proteins has to be a lot of fun as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a I mean, we it's nice. I get to work with the sports fellowship and the shoulder and elbow fellowship, and they're both absolutely top-notch. Um, the fellows in both are fantastic. I mean, it's really, it's been great. The group here's been super welcoming. You mentioned Jorge. I, I interviewed Jorge when I was part of the Duke Sports Medicine Fellowship. And and now we're now we're partners at Rush. It's it's so funny what a small world it is, Scott. And I think, I mean, you know that better than anybody. Everybody's like one degree or two degrees of separation. But, um, you know, it's like, I remember the first time I went to the academy meeting as a med student, I was like, there's, you know, 50,000 so or I don't know anybody here. Now, now you walk through the halls. It's like, you know, you can't walk 10 feet without seeing somebody, you know, and that's the cool thing about our profession is that, you know, it's a big, it's a, there's obviously a lot of us out there, but, but really, um, you know, as you go through this profession, everybody is dealing with the same difficult patients. And I think that really brings us together with a shared camaraderie.
0: Yeah, and the camaraderie of what we do is really tremendous. And uh, you know, I think I think Seth Sherman said it really well. You know, Seth's like, you know, when I left, I, I'm saying this twice now, but you know, when he, when he left New York uh, from HSS, everybody wanted to do a lot of work with him because he wasn't competing with them anymore. But I mean, just incredible minds across the country, and and you know, to be able to to meet and work together and produce amazing research, uh, you know, I think is really fantastic. And look, Grant, I mean, what a pleasure to have you on. I think that you know, only 10 years into practice, you've really done some really amazing things. You pushed yourself personally uh, and professionally uh, to do things I think that most others would not. Uh, I think that uh, I'm really happy that your wife is okay and happy with you in Chicago as well. I think that's super important when you make moves like this. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And we really appreciate all the hard work that you've done in the shoulder and elbow space to make us better doctors.
1: Hey, listen, the pleasure's mine. Um, anybody has any questions, I'm sure we can put my contact info maybe in the uh, in the comments or details, but uh, it's really a, been a pleasure on my end as well. Thanks, Scott.
0: My pleasure. We'll see you at the Academy and maybe Shoulder 362. We're excited to get down there as well. That should be a great course. So look, everyone, it's been a pleasure having you on, Grant. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of The Ortho Show. Till next time.